This is exactly right. Welcome to the Parent Footprint Podcast with Dr. Dan. I'm your host, Dr. Dan. This show is brought to you by Parent Footprint and Parent Footprint Awareness Training. Our goal and mission at Parent Footprint is to create a more loving world with more compassionate people, one parent and one child at a time. And the way we do this is by helping parents to raise happy, healthy, and engaged and aware kids by being all of those things themselves, happy, aware, engaged in their own life. And we believe that the way and the foundation of purposeful parenting is through this awareness to create your own vision of successful parenting for your kids and eventually your grandkids. So on this show, I am privileged to talk to amazing experts in the parenting and allied fields about information that helps us parents become more aware and parent our kids with more purpose and intention. Today, I am very, very fired up to be talking with Dr. Stuart Shanker. He is the parenting expert in Canada, that beautiful country right above the United States where (laughs) many of us Americans have been thinking a lot about visiting for a very long time lately. The topic of today is self-reg, how to help your child and you break the stress cycle and successfully engage with life. This also happens to be the name of his brand new amazing book with the same title. And I'd like to uh, welcome Dr. Stuart Schenker to the show. Um, A little more about him. He is a distinguished research professor of psychology and philosophy at York University, and the creator of the Merit Center. Um, He attended University of Toronto. He's received his bachelor's, his master's, and of course, his doctorate at the University of Oxford. And again, his expertise in parenting, self-regulation is sought internationally. So needless to say, I am very flattered and uh, excited to have you on the show. Welcome, Dr. Stewart. (laughs) Thanks, Dr. Dan. That was a great introduction. I got so excited, I couldn't, I couldn't find my words there. Okay, and you know what? That's probably uh, a good point to dive right in because self-reg, we're talking about self-regulation, which can be challenging even when we get excited. So, th- you know, let's launch into this first, this first question here. It's like, what, what is self-regulation? Well, we use, uh, you know, there are 447 different definitions of the term. Uh, we use the original, the classical one that I was taught at Oxford. And that refers to basically how well we understand stress and how well, as a result, we manage our energy and our tension. So you just summarized over 400 uh, definitions right there with one (laughs) solid one. Okay. So so what does does this mean for us human beings? Well, the problem that we have, especially today, is... uh, stress levels are unbelievably high. Uh, in yeah. fact, we think that kids are under higher stress today than they have ever been. Uh, the real challenge for us, you know, clinically, is that there are so many different kinds of stresses, and we really don't understand them. The problem for a parent is that every time a child has, say, too much stress, they start to burn so much energy 
that they haven't got enough left over to do things like learn or manage their emotions or even just to pay attention. So we're trying to get into that sweet spot, that zone where they have enough energy to count, to address the, challenge, the stresses that they should, and we want them to manage, reduce the stresses that they can. Yeah, and um, we in our practices, right, we see this every day, and what I like about the whole concept of self-regulation, not only is it across the lifespan, and we'll talk about how yeah. you know us yeah. parents and adults need to do this as well. But you know, a lot of a lot of diagnoses, a lot of a lot of pathologies get assigned to kids and to parents who are having difficulty with self-regulation. But doesn't it? It often comes down to this complex yet simple concept. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And. You know, one of the big problems that we see in our clinic is uh, parents struggling without actually realizing that the problem all along was too high a stress load. And once they begin to understand this and teach it to the kid, it's quite extraordinary how quickly things change. Mm-hmm. And again, we'll talk about that a little more later in the show of how we do that. What I'm really curious about as a, I know what it takes to, to write a book, and it's, it's a huge commitment. Like, what compelled you to write this book and now? Uh, well, we run a, we've been running uh, a self-regulation or self-reg initiative across Canada uh, for a few years now. And when we were starting out, um, there was this one kid that we had, and he was uh, a young kid. He was seven years old. He was getting into trouble all the time at school. And really what was going on with him when I met with him was he, was, he had very high stress because he was overly sensitive to uh, both noise and visual stimulation. As soon as we reduced that, you saw a totally different kid. In fact, a brilliant little kid. And for me, this was kind of like a, an epiphany because I realized I was seeing, you know, we're seeing hundreds and, and, and eventually thousands of kids across the country that were getting into trouble or that had very high levels of anxiety because of stress. And right. as soon as we could as soon as we could reduce it, we saw a different child. Now, I know some people are what they our listeners want to know is like how did you do that? And 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 if you could if you could just give me some little uh, some top like bullet points of like how do you reduce someone's stress? Well, there's five steps, okay? The first and the most important one is what's called reframing the behavior. And what that means is learning how to distinguish between misbehavior and stress behavior. Uh, you know, so often we think a kid, let's say, who is acting up or who won't pay attention, uh, we think it's because he's not making a big enough effort, not exercising self-control. But in fact, what's going on as we started to study the brain very carefully is that these are stress behaviors, and if we yell at the kid, punish the kid, um, we can actually make things considerably worse. So we teach in the book, you know, we show how, what are the signs of stress behavior? How do I know when this is stress behavior, not misbehavior? The next step is we've got to figure out the stresses. Start to identify what are the stresses. And we look at stress in five basic domains. Uh, if I ask parents, you know, what do you think are the major stresses in your kid's life? Typically, they'll say, you know, too much to do or, you know, worried about what their friends might think. And, yeah, those are stresses. But we start off with the basics. So we look at physical stresses. Uh, we think that that's things like noise, crowds, uh, 
too much mm-hmm. light, not enough light. Uh, then we look at emotional stresses, uh, cognitive stresses, which are a very uh, difficult and uh, fascinating area, and then finally social and pro-social empathy. So we have to look at the full suite of stress the kid's under. Then we can start to reduce them. Yeah, and uh, a lot of people don't look at them in this way. So, of course, the physical stresses of noise you're talking yeah. about, a lot of the sensory overload, right? And some kids yeah. are wired to um, have a lot of sensory overload, like you said, lights and sound and crowds. And then we have the whole technology yeah. experiment yeah, that we're all issue. living in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a big mm-hmm. issue. And basically what we do is uh, we use, um, I don't know if you remember uh, Bob Sayer. He, he was one of the pioneers in this field. He developed uh, a matrix that we use. And basically it shows where the kid is in terms of energy and tension. And the problem that we've got today is that when kids are in a state of very low energy and high tension, they really have an endless, uh, an endless number of ways of getting a big shot of adrenaline, a big shot of stimulation. Mm-hmm. So they keep mm-hmm. themselves going and going. And then you and I, that's when they come to see us. Uh, then we get the problems right. of anxiety or the problems of behavior. So we, we ref- you guys reframe it. We reframe the, the, yeah. the stressors. We identify what they are. And then, yeah. and then what, what do we do? What do we do from there? Well, one of the things we've discovered is that the key to all this is getting the kid aware of what it feels like to be calm and to actually enjoy that state. And I'm seeing now a generation of children and teenagers who don't know what calmness feels like. Uh, and if we try to, you know, you can't, this is not something you can teach a kid uh, through language. We call it metalinguistically or metacognitively. You can't tell them, calm down. And that, right. that always works, right? Yeah, so we you could say pay- it a lot, right? Yeah. <laughs> you say, say it till the cows come home. So what we do right. is we, get, uh, we work with mom and dad to find activities which actually are calming for the child. And these can be endlessly different. It could be baking. It can be going for a walk. It can be doing a puzzle together. Um, each family has to find what works for them and works for their child. And when you have the child in that state where they, you know, they are relaxed, the muscles are relaxed, uh, they're starting to replenish all their energy, now's the time that we can start to talk to them about what self-regulation is and figure out with them the fifth step. And the fifth step is when you feel yourself going into overdrive, hyperarousal, what can you do to bring yourself back to calm? What works for you? So I have, I mm-hmm. have two kids. So with my mm-hmm. son, what worked for him was going outside and shooting pucks at the garage door. Not right. so good for mom, but real good for my son. <laughs> Not good for her for arousal, my daughter, but yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. <laughs> for my daughter, it was Lego models. Every kid mm-hmm. you know, will find that thing. And yeah. it's quite amazing how quickly they learn how to, how to do these things when they know they need to, instead of going for what you said a second ago, that extra fix on the computer or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you're bringing up a really, um, what seems like simple point, and I think probably a, um, a little alarming uh, point for all of us parents, is that this generation is so um, used to stimula- st- uh, yeah. being stimulated. Um, yeah. Many yeah. of the, our kids might not yeah. really know what a state of calm feels like and even see it as yeah. a desired state, right? Yeah. So you're actually retraining, yeah. you're trying to yeah. 
help them find it so they know where to go eventually when they get the awareness to go to it as something that they actually like, right? I'm, I'm guessing from yeah. what you've seen is like, wonderful. wow, they what want you... to find this calm place. Yeah, what you wow. just said is wonderful. Seriously, like that's it in a nutshell, right? And the problem that we see over and over when people try to do something like, uh, say, mindfulness, is they try to go too far too fast. And mm -hmm. so we'll have a number of kids, for example, where uh, the parents tr uh, try to force them to do yoga or breathing, but there's only a small percentage that actually do calm down from that. A very large percentage don't. So we have to find for my child what is calming for my kid. And every mm -hmm. kid is different. And unfortunately, every kid is always changing. But what you said is what we've seen. They are so habituated to being in this, in this high groove that they find it aversive when we try to slow them down. So we have to do it slowly. In Spanish, they say palatinamente. You have to do it step by step to bring them down so that they enjoy the experience of calming down. And then they will seek it out. Yeah, well said. And and the other thing that um, really speaks to me, and, and when I was reading your book, is it's all about really helping parents become aware and a child become aware of their yeah. state, and not only aware of their state, but aware of the stressors that contribute to their dysregulated state. And with that awareness, you know, we talk about yeah. um, in our center, it's like awareness is over 50% of the game. Like, do you yeah. find that, that that awareness is just huge? Yeah. yeah. You know, um, just this week we were uh, <laughs> running a, a, a master's level clinical workshop, and we were talking about something called uh, limbic resonance. And basically what it means is that if, let's say, mom and dad are really anxious themselves or overstressed themselves, they can try to control what they say. But what they're feeling uh, comes out through their tone of voice or in their, their facial expressions, their gestures. That's what the kid hears. The kid hears what's going on in your limbic system, and your, he, he hear, they hear your irritation. So when we talk about the importance of awareness, for us, it is every bit as much uh, relevant for mom and dad being aware of their stress level, of their mm -hmm. arousal, as as it is for the kid. It's both together. And you and I have both been trained in that, right? That's how you become a clinician. Right. So, um, yeah, so for us, what you just said is, in fact, <laughs> I just gave a one-day one seminar that you just summed up in three seconds. Wow. Okay. Well, and, and as, as you're saying that, I'm thinking we're trained to do this in our office, and I always feel yeah. like uh, us psychologists, it's funny because then we're supposed to do it when we go home with our own families, right? you gotta, you got to have a different <laughs> sort of training to do that, it's it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah you, you talk hard. you talk about um, you also talk about the concept. I'm thinking of this awareness to have awareness. So you talk about the concept of hidden stressors, and I'm imagining if you could talk to our listeners just a little bit about hidden stressors, because if you don't know what those are, you can still have pressure on the system that you're not aware of. Yeah, that's exactly right, and it's the reason why it's so important to begin by reframing, distinguishing between misbehavior and stress behavior. So when you know it's, when you suspect it's stress behavior, then you start going through, you know, you become like a stress detective. So you're trying to figure out the stresses. But, you know, so many of these stresses that are burning the child's energy up are, are things that we're not immediately aware of. So I'll give you an example, okay? Um, you know, every mom and dad is told over and over that they've got to 
they've got to regulate how much their kid is on the computer or playing a bi- video game. Yep. yep. Well, we, we discovered uh, two years ago, they discovered in Sweden that there's an alarm uh, deep inside the brain in the limbic system that goes off when a child's playing these games. It takes hours for that alarm to go off. In fact, it will stay on for most of the night while the kid is sleeping. And what that means is that alarm is uh, raising the child's heart rate, raising the child's breathing rate. He's burning like crazy, even though he's asleep. So that's a classic example of a hidden stressor, something that is leaving him very cranky and crabby the next morning and really not with enough energy to go out and let's say face the stresses of going to school. Wow. So the, <laughs> that alarm isn't working so well, right? <laughs> What's... I was just uh, writing about this this morning. That alarm is a couple hundred million years old. Uh, so it was, it was developed um, really for dangers that might have come back if you were, say, living in the jungle or in a forest. Um, hmm. And the problem is that it's kind of stupid, this system. It doesn't know that it's a game. And one of the things it does is when the alarm is ringing, it turns off the parts of the kid's brain that, are, that he needs to think to be aware. So really what we're trying to do with self-reg is, um, as a parent, we need to turn off that alarm. And then we have to teach our kid to recognize the signs of when his alarm is kindled, when it's going off too much why it's going off, what he can do so that he doesn't end up in that state. If he does end up in that state, that's when it becomes hard for him to control his behavior or his emotions or to learn. So we don't want to get there. We want to we make sure his tank is always full. And to do that, we've got to, we've got to um, reduce the stresses that lead to that kind of uh, Kindle alarm. And those stresses are everywhere today. That is powerful. That is really powerful. Um, you also are known to say uh, very passionately, there are no bad kids. And, um, you know, it really resonates with me as well. We're gonna, there's going to be a show uh, we're recording in the near future about taking on the whole idea of ODD, Oppositional Defiant Disorder. Yeah. So everyone stay tuned for that. Yeah. But there's overlap. Yeah. So could you tell me, like, what do you mean? Tell, tell everyone. What does that mean? There are no bad kids. So... Um uh, this is uh, this is uh, really the question you were asking me before. What made me run a, write this book? Because I was seeing all these kids that were getting into trouble. And they mm-hmm. were getting into trouble because they had various, for various uh, reasons. There's they were they had a Kindle alarm and it was constant stress behavior, and they were being yelled at and punished. And what was happening is um, adults' response to them was entrenching them on a path where they became bad. But all they were before, we, before that happened was just a kid, just a kid who was struggling to do the best he could in life. And maybe he found things stressful that you don't. I had one kid once that we were working with, and what he found incredibly stressful was the, was the sound of a knife and fork on a plate. He had something, uh, what, what we call misophonia. And yeah. everybody was yelling at him because he wouldn't stick around for dinner. They thought he was antisocial. He wasn't. Mm-hmm. He was, he was trying. So um, over and over, what we've seen is we go into schools or in clinical practice with these kids that have been labeled bad, and Mm -hmm. we show people that if you can figure out what the stresses are and reduce them, all of a sudden that kid, you know the one I was telling you about before, the one who made me want to write the book? 
Yep. I met with him. I met with him in a teacher's office, and uh, I could see right away that he had some huge stressors. And so what I did was I turned off the lights and I turned off the computer, and I lowered my voice. And the kid did something magical. This is the kid that everybody had been yelling at, and he did something magical. You never guess what he did. He mm. looked at me, and he smiled. <laughs> and the teacher sitting beside me, I heard her say under her breath, Oh, my God. And then wow. she did something magical. She smiled. And then wow. the two of them, for the very first time, connected. That's what we oh. mean by this. Okay, that, that just gave me... I felt that. That just gave me the chills, right? Like, such a simple yet timely yeah. and aware yeah. intervention what that could yeah. make just for a connection between two people yeah. and think about yeah. the feedback that this yeah. poor kid is gets from adults right uh, yeah. up until yeah, this saving, point yeah, yeah. Uh, we were saving a life and her exactly. too by the way and the teachers yeah. as well right so what would you say okay this is kind of a hard question i know i'll preface it that way yeah. but you've got so much great stuff in the book you've done so much work on self-reg, what is one thing, if there was one thing that you could impart or give or say to our listeners about self-reg and how to maximize this idea and awareness, what would you, what would you say? You know, this is, uh, you're right, this is based on some pretty intense neuroscience and physiology. And can we sum it up in one sentence? Yeah, we can. What we've learned is the most important thing for a child's life and their development is to feel safe. Mm -hmm. What we can do as parents is we can make them feel safe by turning off that alarm, by reducing the stress, by seeing them with this, through this lens of self-reg where you see my child who is struggling and if I can, if I can teach them how to do this for themselves, Oh, my God, what a life they're going to have. Exactly the life that you described in your opening credits. I loved what you said. Okay, that's awesome. Because, you know what, parents, we can do that. You know, sometimes we feel yeah. so overwhelmed by everything we're supposed yeah. to do for our kids to make them successful. But we can work to keep our kids feeling safe. That's, that's wonderful. Yes. All yeah, right, Stuart. So, especially yeah, today. Especially, especially today. Actually, so... Stu and I were talking a little bit before the show, and um, it, it's just worth saying, so thank you for adding that, Stuart, that like, this is an uncertain time for many of us, uh, uh, thinking about our present, our future, our kids' future, and what is coming up a lot in, our, um, on, in social media and in our counseling offices is how do we manage our anxiety, our regu regulation, self-regulation, to keep our kids feeling safe and contained, so anything yep. you want to jump in on that, Stuart? Anything else? They need, we always need to work on all five domains. So remember mm -hmm. I talked to you about there's the physical, the emotional, cognitive. So what we have to figure out is what does stress look like in all five of those domains? And the reason we have to do it is don't just jump on the obvious stress. There's a story I tell in the book about this girl that was having meltdowns every night, and her mom bought her... Uh, a gray sweatshirt when she'd ask for a pink like all the other girls. And it's so tempting to say, well, that's the problem. That's the stress. It's the social stress, the clique. But in fact, when we worked with the family, we found it was all five levels were involved. And when we reduced them, guess what? The next day, after they'd had this big fight about the, the gray sweatshirt, the child came down. Mom was able to reduce the physical, all the physical stresses, which were the big one for this kid. She was a 13-year-old. The next morning she came down, 
wearing the gray sweatshirt. <laughs> so don't jump to the conclusion, right? you got to work it. on all five domains. Love it. Okay. So we are ending, we are getting to the end of the show. This is one of my favorite parts of the show, where I get to ask our distinguished guest about their parent footprint moment. So the parent footprint moment, Stuart, is when you had an awareness about yourself as an individual or yourself as a parent or both, and that awareness benefited your child or children. Uh, We had this experience where... um my children were four years old and one year old, and uh, I live out in the middle of nowhere on an island. And my wife had uh, spent two weeks in a hospital in Toronto, which is 165 kilometers away. Wow. So here I was taking care of both kids on my own, uh, driving back and forth to, because I was scared about my wife. So I was really overstressed. Mm-hmm. And my little girl had trouble falling asleep. And so one night, um, I had just, it took me like an hour, and I'd finally gotten her to sleep. And as she's just snuggling in, my son, my four-year-old son walks in and asks for a glass of milk and wakes her up. <laughs> I completely <laughs> lost it. Yeah, yep. <laughs> and then afterwards, you know, so I felt, I felt like the worst parent in the world. I won't go into details of what I said to him. But yep. then afterwards, I, I realized, you know, I said, You've got to be. You've got to forgive yourself too, because you are human. You may be. You may be Doctor Self Ray, but you're just a dad, and you're just human, and you're going to get overstressed, and you're going to lose it. And you know what I did to to get over that situation? I huh. went downstairs, got a glass of milk, took it upstairs to him, gave him the milk, and said, "I'm sorry." <laughs> and you know what? So you hard for me? us to do. Yeah. 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 Was he shocked? <laughs> No, he loved me. Oh, yeah. All right, that's beautiful because that's the story of we have to be kind and we have to be real. And uh, yeah. those of us who are work in this field all day long, we still do the same. We still get overwhelmed and we still make the same mistakes yeah. that all parents make. But that awareness yeah. and then that connection. And then, you know yeah. what? He was good, right? He loved it. He, he was loved great. it. Yeah, he, yeah. Yeah. And he learned from it. Yeah, we he both did. did. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Thank well, Thanks, I can't Dan. believe this is, this we, great. I can't even believe what this is done. I gotta, I gotta find a way to expand these these shows. Um, so I want everyone <laughs> listen up. So, Doctor Stuart Shanker, this is Doctor Stuart, and his book is going. I'm going to say it here. This is a soon to be bestseller. You heard it here first. How do it's called Self Reg? How to help your child and you. Break the stress cycle and successfully engage with life. Stuart, how can people continue to follow your work and find you? Where should they look? You know what? I'm writing a blog now, a monthly blog for Psychology Today, and I got a good one coming out next week on holiday stress, self reg and the holiday stress. Um, I think we all need a little bit of dose uh, of self reg coming into the holidays this particular year. So that's I agree. Start. And then. And then, the, and then all the stuff you mentioned. The uh, website is a good one. Selfreg.ca is a very. There's all kinds of free materials on the on the Selfreg website. Awesome, Stuart. Thanks for this. Uh, let's Thank do it you, again. And uh, as we go into this next year, let's all try to manage our Selfreg for ourselves, for our kids, and for the universe. Thank you for listening to the Parent Footprint Podcast with Dr. Dan. I'm going to leave you with the same guiding question I always do. What footprint do you want to leave? <laughs>